This is, this is the In The Black Podcast. In The Black, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the wonderful broadcast, man, of the In The Black Podcast. You can be a hundred other places except in your mama's basement. I am so glad that you are here with us tonight as we dive into this wonderful show. We got some hot topics, some shenanigans, some malarkey, some bullshit, a little bit of everything. But most importantly, man, I really want all of you guys to take an opportunity to first uh, open up your wallets and uh <laughs> said that somebody but no sincerely man head on over to our website www.intheblackpodcast.com uh this is where you can become a member of the itbp family you know what? i'm never saying that shit again that sounds awful itbp i don't know what the fuck i was thinking <laughs> But you can click on the Become Family tab right over there in the corner, and you can buy some of our soon-to-be-updated swag. You can buy some of our shirts, you can buy mugs, toilet paper, a little bit of everything. But if you just want to donate to independent black media, if you are tired of listening to that bullshit on Roland Martin, if you're tired of looking to listen to that shit... I'm just going to shoot shots everywhere. Young Turks, all these motherfuckers. I mean, your time is <laughs> into that shit. You can just donate straight to In The Black oh, Podcast, boy. man. Dollar sign. All like the But more importantly, you really want to become a member of our Patreon. Not just because it really helps fund what we do here, but the behind-the-scenes bloopers where we talk about y'all motherfuckers unadulterated. <laughs> <laughs> no holes bars and call out names. No edits. That's where, no edits. That's <laughs> where you really want to hear the bullshit. You should come over there because I'm telling you, you hear, you think Obi talking about that sexual shit on the air? Oh boy, yeah. He's his porn. He has, he has committed some sins. He has committed some sins. He needs to confess. Listen, the that he needs. He listen, anyway. But really, man, please become a member of the family. We really would appreciate you guys. Uh, and we do, sincerely. All the inboxes that we've received since we've been off the air the past couple of weeks, we really do appreciate you guys checking on us. Uh, sincerely, I, I really appreciate that. It makes me feel good. Even though I can't stand you motherfuckers, I really do appreciate you guys reaching out. How does that work? How do you how do you can't stand somebody's not appreciated? You know, two, two things can be you know two things can be right at the same time. I don't know how the fuck it works, man. But anyway, all right, check check this out, man. Oh, God. I think you want to no 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 all jokes aside. This is interesting, and I really want to get your get your perspective on it, and it kind of ties into how we were talking. I know this is going to be about Dave Chappelle, too. It's not. This is not, not about no, Chappelle? Well, I mean, oh, okay. well, I mean, we could talk about Dave Chappelle, too, but I wanted oh, to jump on this because I really wanted to get okay. you guys' thoughts on this. So, recently, a sociologist, and you know, that's in another life. That was my that was my thing. I read an article. This is wet dream, yeah. I know. Uh, and a, uh, a sociologist wrote an article. Her name is Jacqueline Wong from the University of South Carolina. And she 
uh, wrote a paper basically asking who helps who. That's that's the title of the paper. And it was basically researching the relationships between interracial marriages and marriages in general and how one partner benefits the other partner, how that works out, right? So in her study, what she found out was that, which part of it's not surprising, but what she found out was that the overwhelming case studies that people use when they talk about marriage in general in the United States are cis hetero white men and women that's one the second part is that they when you start hearing these studies that relate to how marriage adds to emotional and financial betterment emotional financial and god there was one other element that she covered that when you dig deeper into the case studies that only relays to white men the numbers drop drastically in terms of emotional well-being from a marriage when you start talking about people of color black people specifically i thought that was very interesting only because for how long we've been told that if you are especially if you're a black man that you should get married because your life expectancy is going to increase, that it'll make you emotionally well, it'll make you financially well off. But apparently these numbers aren't really as accurate as we think they are because they're not really putting us in these case studies. And these are case studies that these people, the, the, the sample sizes or the people that they're using as the sample, they're followed around for 10, 15, 10, and in some cases years. 20 years. So it's not like it's just a, a sample size of, 100,000 people, we asked them this question, and that's the end of the story. Nah, they're doing follow-ups. These people were either single when they met, remained single during their follow-ups, or have since gotten married. And apparently the numbers don't bear out for us as as black men. What do you guys think about that, man? I'm really surprised. Why? I'm surprised because I honestly thought... I, I, I think maybe because I live within my own bubble. And I'm I'm... I'm committed to, you're, to you're, or honestly. You're growing up. That. I dig it. Yeah, sure. I recognize I mean, how my wife has impacted me emotionally. Right? And my assumption is that other people that are married, cis hetero black men and women that are married, and especially been married long term, are in a similar situation. And part of that is not only just my life experience in terms of my relationship with me and my wife. But also, I think the circle of people that I surround myself with. So to hear that the case study seems that these niggas aren't as happy as we thought they really were is very surprising to me. Hmm. Are niggas, are we just faking it? Is that what it is? Like you wake <laughs> up and you really don't want to be with this. <laughs> I spent 15 years here. I'm like, God damn it. It's, I've been here too long to run away now, man. I'm just going <laughs> to, fuck it. I'm just going to stick around for another 15, 20, 35 years. Like that doesn't shock you at all. The niggas ain't really happy. No. I mean, I find it hard to believe that that sample is, is as comprehensive as it could be um, to fully encapsulate our experiences as married as as, uh, as families. To be frank, um, and then whatever lens they were applying here, I suspect was more limited than uh, more limited in scope than we uh, than they're you know. Leading us on to believe, 
you know, the, the criteria for emotional well-being, the criteria for financial uh, empowerment and betterment. I find it hard to believe, considering the history of the skewed skewed methods of, uh, of, 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 of scientific research across cultural lines, um, there's a history of, the, of, of these uh, flawed studies. Um, I find it hard to believe that this would be the case, you know, that, that we're, you know, as you know, that that we tend to not be happy in in marriage or something. That that, that is a uh, you know that's. I mean, I'm not. I guess I should not be surprised coming from the institution that I've been claiming this, but um, I am skeptical. That's what I'll say. I'm skeptical. I would I, I would want to run the numbers again and again. L, why aren't you surprised? Yeah, because uh, you can't. You can't because tell I don't my, think... you can't tell my daddy he wasn't happy. Yeah, I think I think people. I think most, for one, I think within cult culturally, right, black folks, we typically get married for uh, reasons that don't are not longevity based, meaning we tend to get married for at the moment because of what we feel mm. at the moment, right. Even when, or it's the exact opposite, or you've been in a relationship for a long time and it's like, oh, you know, we might as well fucking get married. We've been together for 20 years. Shit. I mean, might as well. We both 55. Might as well get fucking married. Now you only got five years left to live, but you're going to get married. Anyway. So <clears throat> I just think it's, cold it's, shit, you cold in the motherfucker I think, I think, I think most of the reason, man, I think there's a number of other factors that play in that determine black folks being happy, right? We have so many external stressors and external obstacles that oftentimes make it difficult for us to even be in a place where we can enjoy or identify our happiness, right? We, we live in a, Say that one more time. Well, or that we can identify our happiness. Yeah, hmm. like we, we we just we just can't see it because we're dealing with so much other sort of shit, so much other sort of oppression. Particularly if you're in a uh, a black marriage where your wife is black and you're black and you're working in a job that you know you're dealing with micro and macro aggressions on a consistent basis you're dealing with racism it's hard to be able to find and define happiness in it that doesn't mean that these people don't want to be married they just may not be in a happy place. They might be comfortable mm. with their compatibility and comfortable with their relationship with the method and the way the relationship works for them. It just doesn't equate or measure through the standard that they're using to define happiness. So it doesn't surprise me. I know a lot of married couples who are not happy, but they're comfortable as a motherfucker. They get along, but mm. I wouldn't define that as wow, wow, they wouldn't wow, say wow. they were happy. And I think there's I think there's some benefits in there too, also, right? With that comfortability. I, I listen, this takes me down a whole nother rabbit hole, but I think let, let's, let's that's do okay. it. Let's, let's do it. You go don't, ahead, you, let's go ahead. I mean, I, because I, th I think the thing is, when we think of un being happy, we automatically equate the exact opposite of that being unhappy, right? When it's really there's no indifference, or there, there's no nuance, there's no, 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 no other factors there. Some people have just been together for a long time. 
they're comfortable in their routine. They have a certain level of trust and respect for their partner. This partner just doesn't make their rockets fly to the moon anymore. That doesn't mean that they hate them. That doesn't mean that they're going to betray them. Doesn't mean that they're going to do anything wrong. It just means that they're in a comfortable place. When you think of a lot of marriages who have lasted for years, I'm almost guaranteed that they're not going to run out and say, yeah, we happy. They're going to say, I really love being with this person. And there's mm-hmm. been moments where I've been happy. And there's been moments where I hated this person. But we made a commitment from our understanding of what marriage really is because you have the mythos of marriage where I, I, I you think that you get that into, this, in hard, into this contract and you're supposed to be happy, right? Well, it's just be a love I think, oh, yeah. is sex is supposed to be great? You know, the communication yeah, see, is supposed to be see, awesome. All those factors. See, and that's just bullshit. See, uh, yeah, yeah. it's like L, L's hitting upon something that I think is, 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 is kind of staring us right in the face. This, um, this presupposition that happiness is some kind of perpetual construct that exactly. you know you get to be in all, all day, and, and that's not it. that's not life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, happiness, yeah, happiness is happiness. I think I think I think is has a very limited confine, very limited confines here within the study. You know, um, that comfortability you refer to, that sense of trust, that you know. I think when we see, you know, the things that she and I have gone through, what I'm sure we've gone through with our wives from the outside looking in, we probably look like a pair of grouchy motherfuckers. But man, I wouldn't go through with anybody else. Period. Or this right? notion that right, we gentlemen? always have to be you know in love. And, and that, that's, oh, to me, that's ha- to me, that's that's that, at, at its core, that's happiness. At its core. Yeah. Because we, we, we without, have such without, a them, without, without them, Without them, yeah, like this, the misery this will be compounded by relationships, man. Like we we have this fairy tale view and understanding of relationships and marriage, and it's so based off of fallacies and myths and fairy tales and bullshit, and it doesn't address the reality of it that you literally have two ever changing people in a committed long-term contract that means that things are going to change they're not going to be the same like if it remember back in the day when you use or if you're like me you ever used the excuse with a woman that you didn't want to be with anymore that you said you were no longer in love with her i'm just not in love with you anymore i still love you but we have we carry that on into relationships this idea that every day is supposed to be sunshine roses and fucking unicorns when the reality of it it's often stormy it's thorns it's 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 bristly it's hard it's so this idea of me being in a perpetual state of happiness, I, I don't ever expect that to be the way. I I just think that's dangerous. Let's, let's, let's take a step up. back then. Given, given the case study, given that they use the same criteria to measure each one of these groups, why do you think that white men, white men specifically out of any other group, seem to have the most emotional benefit from being in a relationship, who else wouldn't? Who else? Who else wouldn't? Who else wouldn't? Because they're the most emotional weak. That's why. The listen, they're the most emotional weak. Like they're the ones who consistently need to have 
someone there to emotionally take care of. That's not something that black and brown men have needed. We've been cultivated and groomed to be warriors from the moment that we stepped out of the womb. So we have never, even though the other side of the coin is we do need that emotional component but we've been geared and conditioned not to be even to able to acknowledge it and communicate it when we fucking do need it and white men for the most part the motherfuckers always need that type of support that's just part of there and i think there's another component too right that we haven't had time to be in that space Folks who are in consistent war-like mentalities and war-like environments, we don't have time to be <laughs> dealing yeah. with those things, man. As much as I think we deserve or, to do, or, like right, or or time yeah. to or time to be your version of happy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because fuck your version of happy because you ain't gonna give it to me. I gotta take that. Shit. I love my wife, but she been. I never asked me, "Am I happy with the marriage?" I'm like, what? What do you mean? Am I happy with the marriage? It's fucking Tuesday. It's, I, had a, I had a long ass Monday. And I don't mean that in a discouraging way, but I don't think Nigga, that, shut should up. The, that shouldn't, be, that shouldn't be the standard of measure that she uses to determine if I'm happy or if I'm content in the marriage. Like, don't ask me if I'm happy in the marriage. Okay, ask so what should your wife ask you? She, ask, so don't well, ask she, she knows, questions. She knows me be well more specific. Enough. Be more specific and ask me things that are actually connected to the marriage and my, me. You know what I mean? Don't use happiness. Like, be specific. So, what do you think compared to our marriage today and where first it was when we ago, first came, think two years ago? I dig it. I get it. How how do you view that? Is it what you thought it was? Is it areas where you think we can improve? And be specific. Don't ask. Don't say. Don't if I'm her, don't say, do you think I need to approve? Say Elgin two years ago compared to where you are, do you think you need to improve? Don't that's give tough, me that that's opportunity. That's a tough conversation, my guy. But, but but again, what we talk about, it's imperative, man, for you to have strong, viable relationships. You have to be able to have. If you cannot have, and I'm for anyone who is about to get married, who are in a relationship and you're look, pursuing somebody to court and all that, the way that you can determine whether that relationship is going to have any type of viability in the future is how you motherfuckers deal with conflict and difficult conversations today. If y'all can't deal with that shit today, guess what? 20 years down the line, you yeah, still ain't going to be able to tell it. You got to be able to have those difficult conversations, man. Mm. It's important. Yeah. Right. And it's hard, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> because we got a bunch of motherfuckers today, bro. This whole generation today is some sensitive ass thugs, bro. Man, like, yeah, they not, they not listening. You, you can't on one hand call them sensitive, but on this, uh, on the other hand, say that they're not. They are afforded in a capacity, a level of freedom that we're not, that we weren't afforded. Right, this opportunity to be more sensitive, to be in touch with their emotions. I know I never had that fucking opportunity. So, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they have it to that. I think that's something that we perceive them have. But I don't know if they have that to the level that we think they should have. I think more people have that ability. I don't. I don't know. And I don't know if they take advantage. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. 
Yeah, I don't think they're being sensitive to women. I think they're just being fucking yeah. narcissists. Oh, God, no. No, they ain't being fucking narcissists. They're just being fucking narcissists. And women ain't being sensitive to women. All of my fuck boys either. anyway, man. It's all these new No, I think you're fuck women too, bro. I don't think that. Well, listen. Facts. Bro, that scale is balanced. I think it might be tilting <laughs> the other way. I feel like women might have run away with the gold, bro. They don't flow Joe. I don't think I don't think they're ready Man. for that conversation yet, though, sir. That's it, Look, bro. I mean, we've been going on campus about hide your young boys and shit. Get the fuck out of here, bro. Listen, anyway. Jada out here to change the game for these change boys. It. all these entanglements, <laughs> Jada, man. <laughs> All these All right, so unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about the foolishness that's been embroiling Dave Chappelle after his recent special on Netflix called The Closer, uh, where he once again went in on the trans community. I won't even say the LGBTQIA community. He went in on the trans community. Um and I don't know necessarily if I would even call it going in, but I guess we can have that conversation too. Um, afterwards, uh, he has, of course, gotten a lot of pushback. Uh, critically, people didn't really find it all that amazing, but at the same time, they thought the material was a little bit too edgy for them. It ended up leading to the fact that where trans people that worked at Netflix orchestrated not only a walkout, but also tried to release... Um, release uh not redacted but uh private business emails and information as well which i thought was fascinating but i want us to have a conversation quick conversation we don't have to go too in depth about it do you think that the pushback that dave is getting now is warranted cuz no. to be honest with you this the, the release of the special was goddamn a few, a few weeks now, almost a goddamn month, and I, know, I honestly thought the blowback. It's, it's old. It's, it's old as hell. Yeah, I, I thought the blowback would have. I thought the 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 fervor around it would have died by now. It's to old. be very honest with you, but it's old, old to me. It seemed. I mean, for, for me too. But every time I turn around, it's still. And the shit wasn't funny. You said what? And the shit wasn't funny. I haven't seen. I it think at the end of the day, that's that's where what I was concerned with. The, the and the joint wasn't funny. Like. I went in thinking, okay, this is David Chappelle. I'm going to laugh. And there was only a few times I was like, no. Oh. I was like, oh, okay. Right. Even with some Bro, of the I trans stuff, I was like, I, I get it, but it became more social commentary than joke. And I was just like, but mm. And I think the, the, the thing that, that blew my mind is I don't give a fuck about Dave, right? I don't give a fuck right. about Dave. He, he has, he's a comedian. He's an entertainer. His politics have no validity on the everyday material changes of black people in general, right? So specifically me or you, right? I dig it. Yeah. 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 Like I don't I don't give a fuck about it. But I think yeah. what bothers me is the the weight that celebrities carry in this culture now, right? Mm. The mm. weight that if they say something in their method of entertaining, how it is viewed either as the gospel truth or heresy. Like it's it's it just blows my mind how he a comedian who has and whatever you want to say about Dave, but he's a comedian had the opportunity to do a special on actually in air old material because he did the same show before that many others have already seen that he just put out on Netflix, but it got the type of fervor that it got. Like he's not a 
he, he's not a scholar. He's not an academic. He's not a professor. He's not a political activist. He doesn't create or adjust he policy. Do that. Anyway. He's, 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 a, he's a black man in an interracial relationship with a whole bunch of white friends who says black jokes occasionally. And you motherfuckers allowed him to say some shit. And it took you to a place where you don't think pieces and all that. And again, I don't have a, a issue per se with the people, the trans folks at Netflix, you know, deciding to walk out. I feel like if you feel like your job is treating you unfairly and you want them to change, you do what you need to do in order to get them to change. I don't have an issue with that. I may not agree, but I don't take issue with that because I think that's something that people should have the right to do. But I just am blown away at how this commentary was so incredibly divisive, man. Like black folks spent days and hours arguing back and forth on the validity of what Dave said. Like this motherfucker was Paul or Jesus. Like this is, I'm just like, yo, I don't understand. I thought it was whack. I didn't think it was funny. I laughed a couple of times, but I got tired of the turn into the political commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it didn't move me, and I wanted it to be funny. I wanted to laugh. It's Dave Chappelle. Yeah, that was that was first and foremost. That's what I wanted from a comedy special. Yeah. But go ahead, Crush. No, I mean I did see the the segment, and um, you know I didn't see I didn't I didn't see where he was going in on that particular community. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the weight. I mean, celebrity culture like definitely hit a new peak. Celebrity culture hit a new peak of uh, of, uh, of 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 idolatry that I think um, probably even amazed uh, had to amaze Dave Chappelle at one point. Like, whoa, are they still talking about this shit? Um, you know, um, yeah. I, uh, I that that that's the part that the most that I am I'm pretty stunned at. You know that they're that we're still that they're still trying to carry this issue forward. You know, they, they you know they were saying Netflix was going to drop the show, and I was like, no, they're getting all this free marketing. Why would they drop the show? They're saving tons of money, so um, of course they're not dropping the show. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Maybe uh, maybe I'll I'll save it for later. Uh, but you know, overall, you know, just um, you know, this uh, this amount of discussion around you know a comedian. I mean. I mean, I, you know, I, I remember the the different moments that different comedians, you know, made controversial statements, but you know, not to the. But then again, maybe this is all a precursor, a precursor to this because, for a long time, for for a long time, comedians have felt and have been, for the most part, curtailed in, in their edginess and you know things like that. And except for you know, Mr. Chappelle, who you know, kind of takes it to the hill on Netflix. And maybe uh you know may, you know maybe uh he's you know maybe he stepped on you know he stepped on a, on on a PC you know, on some PC toes a little too hard, you know which is ridiculous you know but I, I don't know I, it's just I, I didn't I didn't think I mean I knew my man was large but like this like it's uh, it's, it's kind of insane. It's I mean insane. I mean I I think that he should be able to practice his craft as in in whatever form he thinks is best for him because at the end of the day. It's, it's it's going to affect his pockets. If he's telling jokes that people like, he's going to get paid. If he's telling jokes but that I people don't a, like, I think there's I think there's a, a, a also, and I agree that you should be able to practice your art. But I don't think you should be able to practice your art without in a method where you don't think you should be above criticism or critique, though. 
Right. No, 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 no. And, well, I, and I think that's what that no, 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 no. And I, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that that's what people use that thought process. Well, he's just practicing his art. He's just a comedian. Just because you're a comedian or an artist or a rapper or a dancer doesn't mean that your art is above critique. No, because no, even no. though your art is subjective, right. people's opinions are also yeah, subjective. Yeah. Okay, it's so, a dangerous so that, game. So that begs, that begs a bigger question. I mean, I don't think Dave is objecting to any criticism. Oh, no, no. I, I, don't, think, I, think, I think in, I think in many ways he he's embracing it. Yeah, he is because he's I mean, he's using it, I think, as a shield or a rallying cry for those people that and are talking about PC culture and so on. Yeah. So, but at yeah. the same time, I think that that begs a bigger question then when you're going to be having this conversation about critiquing someone's craft. Right. Mm -hmm. The best way to affect an artist is whether you indulge or support that art. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So. I don't understand the walkout. I'm not saying that these these uh, trans employees that wa walked out and those people that supported them didn't have the right to do that. 100%, I think they have the right to do that. But I think the most effective way to do it would have been just to tell people not to watch the show. Because you know Netflix is not going to take it down. But if you rally enough people to say, well, this is not something that's good for our community and the numbers don't line up in terms of views for the show, at the end of the day, what's going to happen? It's going to he's, he's going, Netflix yeah, cancels shows think, that have three that's, seasons that's the weird, and have that's the weird thing. of views. That's the weird. That's the weird. Every single day with every every one of these damn see, that's the weird contradiction. Put on the damn thing. That's the weird contradiction about having this controversy in in this entertainment sphere. Like the most effective and the most effective and you know pure thing you could do would be to ignore the spectacle. But instead, you you instead you, you exacerbate it because you want to be part of, the whole, part of the whole and by and, and behind the scenes, money is turning. Money is turning for all the all, all the fervor, all the all the all the chanting, all the all the all the protests. Money is turning. Money is turning. But not only that, though, we live we live in a, in a society where social media and things like like I saw clips of the show. And his stand-up on social media before I saw it on Netflix. That's where I saw it. It was like it's it's really difficult to say if we stop watching on Netflix, then we won't be it will somehow affect. But it's like you still are gonna have some sort of effect if it bothers you. I understand that. And and again, I think I don't think based off of what I've read about the trans folk who actually did the walkout their demand wasn't just exclusively for Netflix to pull the, the show, right? Okay. They were intelligent enough to know that Netflix wasn't going to pull the show, but they were also aspirational enough to say, that's our motherfucking demands. Mm -hmm. But I think their larger point that they made, their spokesperson made was, we wanted people to know that we were not in line with Netflix continuing to put the show out, right? It wasn't just simply going out and getting the show removed. It was also letting people know we as trans folk are not in agreement with this particular show. And I think that's one thing that we, people who do protests and boycotts, we can actually say we want this huge demand, but at the same time, we want our message to go forth. So if we, even if we don't mm. get our demand met, at least people are aware and are going to be talking about it, i.e. in the black, talking mm. about trans folks actually taking a stand against their particular issue and their 
you know, being offended. So I applaud them for that, but I don't think they went into it thinking like, if 12 motherfuckers walk out, that Netflix all of a sudden gonna pull them off. Yeah, they're gonna fall apart. Yeah. Did, I mean, they did get a, they did get a large uh, rally of support during their walkout too, but, and all of that seemed very, the whole, sh all the shenanigans that ended up following the walkout seemed very messy as well, but that's a whole nother kettle of fish. I'm gonna ask you guys the million dollar question and then we're gonna move on. Do you think that there was some level of validity into what Dave was saying, though, that there is a that no particular group or people like Elgin said should be beyond reproach or critique. So if he's going to use trans people in his material, that they necessarily don't have to like it, but shouldn't say that he doesn't have the right to do that which seems to be what Dave is arguing. Like he shouldn't even be talking about trans people at all. And that on top of talking about trans people, he talks about them in a disparaging and what they believe is a disparaging way. Do you think that they are, that he has some validity in what he's saying? I, I really don't know, man. And I say, I don't know because I'm not trans, right? So I can't actually speak to say whether or not they have validity or Dave, have, I don't know. So what I've done is I've listened to my trans brothers and sisters who have either said that they felt some type of way or they said there was validity. I've allowed them to navigate that spear and have that conversation and not allow my cis heterosexual maleness to black maleness specifically yeah, yeah, to, to blind dominate. So I'd be like, yo, I haven't said anything about it. Like, no, they got it. They don't need me. I think that that's, a, I think yeah. that, that overall, that that's an interesting, it's a, the whole conversation in itself is extremely interesting because in one pocket, people do expect you to make some sort of lend your voice to it in some capacity, right? Mm -hmm. That they expect you to be an ally. What the, what does an ally necessarily mean? They mean. need you to voice that. And for me, like you said, I, I'm not on that side of the fence. So I don't know how to navigate these streams, right? So instead of me lending my voice outside of being empathetic and saying something that may not necessarily be the case, I'd rather be silent, listen, and allow those that are in those spaces to make the comments. But I had one person come, come out and tell me the other day, it was like, nah, we we need people like you to talk and to raise your voice against folks like Dave Chappelle. And it seems like going into these spaces now, it's like, that's the new quote unquote, gotcha question. Like, where do you stand? Do you support Dave Chappelle or do you support the trans community? And I'm like, I mean, I, I like people, both of people who People who say that are, are really being unfair because most people who are advocates and fighting and allies in the LGBTQ community, they're not looking for people to just align with their beliefs, right? They're not looking for them to just say, you guys are right. They're looking for people to be open, to have a discussion, to have their own thoughts developed. They're not looking for just blind robots and blind yeah, supporters to come through. They're actually looking for people to come through to develop and grow with that. So this idea that if you're not an ally, that you don't just stand up and support against their foe, that's not being an ally. That's that's not what an ally is. You can still, I can still think what Dave said has some validity and still be an ally towards trans folk, right? 
And some people will tell you that that's not the case. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think there's a fine balance and a fine line. And I think what Dave did do was he allowed, or hopefully does, he propels these conversations into more barbershops, into more predominantly black spaces, Uh, and we begin to address some of the things that he mentioned, and we allow our trans brothers and sisters to come in. And have that same dialogue with us because mm-hmm. there is a level of like, oh my God, trans folks are different. And mm-hmm. there's other mm-hmm. pejoratives that people use. I just think mm-hmm. this, I think it's a great, instead of attacking Dave, like we could be using this moment to have a broader yeah, conversation. So I, conversations. Yeah, I can dig it. I can dig it. Are Do you know any trans people? I actually, one of, I'll be very upfront with you. My, I have no trans people from work and I actually have a trans mentee, podcast mentee. Uh, she is in our, one of our groups. So yeah. yeah. Dope. Dope. Yeah. 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 Dope. I'm some I'm of those brilliant people out there, bro. Like you. I'm no, man. I'm like t- you, listen, man. You know, I'm out there in the street with them, man. I, I think t- these are some <laughs> of the, I, listen, man, I, listen, they are some of the most brilliant and emotionally in tuned people that you will ever meet. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And you would have to be. Because I think yeah. with you, you gotta be. Yeah. 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 I can do lots of stuff in your jokes to yourself, bro. You was about no, to go no, down no. there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I sure can, I'm, I'm sure it requires a lot of self-analysis, a lot of reflection. Um, yeah, I'm sure it does. No. They got bigger balls than I got. Go ahead. What, what, Elgin, please just go ahead and go to the next topic, sir. What do you what do you have? What do you have on the next kind of a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> he told me to keep oh, my jokes on somebody bust that stupid shit out. <laughs> oh man, listen. I couldn't help myself. I, I, I couldn't help myself, man. I tried that whole segment to hold that back, bro. But it kept calling me, calling me. You about to get them big uh, letters, man. Go ahead, dog. Listen, go ahead, man. Cash up, dollar sign, Elgin Bailey. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, just a real, it was a real big story that came out of Philadelphia here uh, probably about two weeks ago. A rape took place on the L here in Philadelphia. Now, for people who are not familiar with northern cities, the L stands for Elevated Transit. It's the train that runs above ground in the city, literally above the street. We call it the L, right? And the thing about the story that had so many people enraged were that there was a number of accusations saying that there was a bunch of bystanders actually recording and filming the rape. Now, the real tricky part about this, or not so tricky part, the real devious part about the story, outside of the horrible rape, and we, you know, pray for the recovering healing of this person who was assaulted in this manner, uh, was the fact that the Philadelphia Police Department lied. <laughs> like, the, like the police came out and cultivated this story that there were actually bystanders there. And then weeks later, when the actual SEPTA, Southeastern Pennsylvania Transit Authority, came out and said, no, we've actually reviewed the tapes. 
all of these places, the L and the subway have video. They record, they, they check the video because they were actually looking for the suspects, right? They were looking for, it was this big debate whether or not they were going to actually charge the people who rec- allegedly recorded the rape, right? Mm-hmm. right? So they were looking for these people. And what they came across was there was no one there recording it. They said there was actually one person there that looked like they had their phone out, but they connected that person to 911 calls. But the Philadelphia Police Department was responsible for cultivating and creating this lie. And then they blamed the receptor after the fact when they started trying to do the backtracking and shit. Here's, here's a fascinating component for people who are not familiar with what's taking place right now in Philadelphia. SEPTA is about to go on strike. For years, there has been war between SEPTA and the Philadelphia Police Department, right? Because SEPTA Why? has its SEPTA has its own police force. They have their own police department. So Uh SEPTA, in part of their demands, is that they want their people to have higher wages, better training, and to get rid of more of the Philadelphia Police Department presence in the train station. So it's it's just this... war that's taking place and it's so fascinating because when i saw it i saw a bunch of 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 our sisters post this and use this as fodder to show how bad black men is this this was literally this what this was what they were using this is blaming black men for standing around and 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 crush i'm telling you no one saw pictures of who the bystanders were because there were no pictures of the bystanders, but they literally use this. I can give, I saw five different black women do the same thing, use this as fodder to blame black men to say, you know, black women are the most unprotected, yada, yada, yada. And to make it seem as if black men are, have not been doing or not doing. I haven't seen any of those five women come once they started doing the backtracking. And let's be real. In today, oh man, oh, hello? Go ahead, my guy. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, let's be real. Um, in today's climate, as, back as, and as said, we know we know there's so many sick people out there. Um, from the day that the assault occurred, if people filmed it, we know how if, if people actually if some sick actually filmed, you know how fast that would have popped up on online some platforms. Yeah. We would we would have seen the assault before we would have seen the pro the, the, the news report. Yep. We would yep. have seen it by now. Yeah. You know the, the that 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 when they blur it out, this image uh this uh, scene maybe too graphic to see. We would have seen that first before we seen the headline. Yeah, yeah. TMZ you know, would have already had no, that There was no that. trending, there was no hashtag, you know, crazy feel, you know, crazy feeling, maybe whatever, and then Twitter. Like days after, yeah, there was no bystander because right, people are right, sick. Right, right. Outside of the fact that there are also, in in addition to those women that, and I want to be fair. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to show as much as I'm showing myself a level of grace. I'm going to show other people some level of grace too. There are some validity to the protection angle that women uh, 
voice during these days. There, what there's, what there validity? Is, there, there is some, but we won't we won't go into the statistics. The stati- the numbers are there. You know the date. You know the data is there. But what makes no, it worse is that you no. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 talk about that off air. Okay. I don't I don't want to do this. Oh, I can't believe you were that guy. God. But you also that might be a topic. That might be a topic for the future. But you also then have unfortunately these Dexter Jacksons of the world to add on top of that and then fluff up this. <laughs> fluff up these these situations and make exacerbate it so it's like okay then you got to put out two fires but the biggest issue is the mythos and the veneration and adoration that the police have to make it seem socially like they are infallible and it starts from day one as kids even as kids when you play you play cops and robbers right you don't want to be the robber everyone i think any kid that grows up here in the united states anyway when they're in what preschool age, you ask them what they want to be. They're going to tell you a fireman or a police officer because of this mythos, this thing that we've generated about what it means to be an, a police officer. Even when you look at <coughs> media, media is also culpable in it. You look at media, oh, think God, how yes. many, how yeah. many series, how many TV series that they, yeah. they push out that they before you know it, you'll see it's like if he's a good cop just trying to do what's right so he's breaking the law to get the get the case to, 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 to break the, the bad guy to, to get the bad guy yeah he's gonna pound fuck him in the head fuck, with a phone fuck, book fuck, fuck your rights fuck torture <laughs> fuck all of that shit you know what i'm saying it's one of the reasons why like in chicago chicago <laughs> had fucking black sites where they took people that they disappeared for months at a time Man. and it didn't come out for how many damn years and even now we don't really know what the end result of all that investigation was because the police are infallible. They can investigate themselves for some odd reason and then tell people that. So it it stems from how many donkey years ago. It's like generational. It's innate in in the American makeup to say that the police have this level of righteousness that should not be critiqued or cannot be wrong or cannot be fallible. And I, it boggles my mind, though, because the same society that they're pulling people to protect and serve is the same society that they're trying, like the, the, the what do you want to call it? The downtrodden of us or the ones that are not, that need to be policed. So how can you be separate? You're pulling, you're pulling from the same resources. So is it impossible for you to be fallible? Is it impossible for you to be a, a liar? Is it impossible for you to be corrupt? Is it impossible for you not to be competent at your job? You're pulling from the same base of people that that you're trying to you're trying to build up, I guess, for lack of a better. I description. mean, they're supposing that the oath they took was actually you know, taking taking the heart. <laughs> I know that there's, there's a there's a thing that we talk about when we talk about Marines, and Marines are typically looked in, looked at in a certain light. But I know some shit. Bird Marines, niggas that I wouldn't let those dudes, bro. I would let them watch my dogs. You hear you know what I'm saying? Die. I mean, I mean, look, there's my no, guy. there's no profession without without its, you know, it's 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 terrible examples. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, but my, you, and, 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 and my chosen field is horrible. To that, there is something about military and policing that attracts the most degenerate of the degenerates to be a part of that it's it's part of the mythos of being that that you can be the worst of the worst but as long as we allow you to go overseas and be the worst of the worst against 
non-Americans, oh, that's okay. That's part of and and we or as are long as you're going into black communities, you're not doing it to white folks. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. fine, you're all right. And we're conditioned from years, man, for years, from early stages to think that police are unfallible, perfect, righteous, upstanding citizens. I mean, in preschool, you that's that's literally your first encounter typically with a police officer is going to be either preschool or kindergarten, where the cop comes in and gets a chance and you meet so-called officer friendly. From that early stages, you're cultivated this mentality that police can do no wrong. Right. But time and time again, we see the motherfuckers doing the exact opposite, man. And I think this case right here is one of the most egregious scenes I've ever seen. You literally cultivated a firestorm that said that people were standing around not only watching but recording and videotaping a rape and refuse to help, man. So what what, 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 what has happened? Nothing nothing has happened. There was an apology given, but that was it. No follow-up from anyone? There won't be a a follow-up. They turned it around and put it on SEPTA. They said it was SEPTA. But the man who committed the assault, he was found? Oh, yeah, he's been arrested already. He was arrested, I think, that evening. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't okay, like out right, free running around. Right, okay. right, oh, no, 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 no. But he they blamed it. They flipped it around, man, and, and blamed SEPTA. But that backstory, <laughs> man, between SEPTA and the Philadelphia Police Department, it's incredibly fascinating to see how right, the dude. politics have caused this sort of egregious behavior but to we, take place. Like no, another from the mayor, governor. The mayor is. is piece of shit. The governor is not going to say anything either. He's a piece I was of even surprised that the DA was able to pull, Bruh, pull things away. When the like, DA came out and said it, I was like, I was, oh. I was shocked. Bitch. I was shocked. I was shocked. If the DA is saying it, we we know this is true because he came yeah, out right, right away. Right. He was like, Ew. Yeah, he did. He did. That yeah. was, once again, I was very surprised because you know how there's very... some. Most times, there's very little daylight between the police and the district attorney's office for him. Oh, yeah. So for him to come yeah. out and be like, nah, dog, that's not what happened. I was like, oh, okay. And Maybe I think there was a lot of pressure on him, too, because he they were saying that he had to prosecute these people. So people it was that, just like... The alleged people that were Yeah, the them. alleged yeah, people. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. just like... <laughs> but there was no one to fire. Yeah. yeah. No like, discovery. Oh, yeah, so I, there's no discovery. Shit is crazy. This shit happens far too often in terms of these false stories and false narratives and it comes it they're not always as big as sure. having a damn press conference saying that people just stood by and watched somebody get raped right there was uh there's a dude in indianapolis i don't know if you've seen the news but there was a guy in indianapolis they got he has a schizophrenia they arrested him Same. and a police officer came on scene a sergeant for that matter came on scene stomped on this dude's Stomp head Stomped yep. on this dude's head to subdue him. Hmm. Stomped on his head to subdue him. Mind you, his camera was off. Was he off. didn't know that the arresting officer, because there were like three other officers there, the arresting officer, his camera was not off. When they wrote the report, they wrote nothing about this sergeant coming and stomping on this goddamn dude's head. 
They left that completely out. So you see what I'm saying? It's like at the end of the day, it t- and it took it took a bit of time. Like this happened at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So it took some time for all the, this news to finally come out eventually, right? And these are the sure. small incremental lies that happen that build on top of one another that also build on top of the distrust that people have for police in these communities anyway. Like the fa- like it blows my mind because I was I'm reading this story and the dude's name is Jermaine Vaughn. They said that yeah. he has schizophrenia. The family of this dude hadn't seen him in two years. They've been trying to get him to help, but they couldn't get him the help he needed. They couldn't find him for two years. And his sister is the one that finds out that he's alive and still in Indianapolis when she sees the news report of this dude stomping on her brother's head on the nightly news. That's how she found out that her brother that she'd been missing for two and and not even to mention, I think that's the part where we talk about it in the past that we only look at these situations through the eyes of bad policing, but we don't look at it from the standpoint of DAs being pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. We don't even yeah. look at it from yeah. what's what's my man's name? The the judge who told what's the the, the dude Rittenhouse told my they man told him that he couldn't refer to them as victims, yeah, bruh. Because he said it was a loaded term, but you could it call was a them loaded term. rioters, yes. vandalizers, arsonists. But this is these are the people don't that call them, he, don't call the motherfuckers that he killed victims. He killed. Just, and this is a sitting judge said this that has completely swayed this case. So this is how bad the actual system is on every motherfucking level. Yeah. Shit is scary and sad, man. It is scary. It's, I think it's scarier than sad because it feels like none of us yeah, have an opportunity at the end yeah. of the day, man. None of us have an opportunity. Like, you won't get the benefit of the doubt for shit. No. All right, Crush, what's next, man? What's on deck? What's your topic? Well, I found a bit of interesting news. Um, you know, I'm waiting and seeing on how compelling it will become. Uh, but apparently there is a new uh, museum called the Legacy Museum uh, being that was built in the Montgomery, Alabama, where you'll see uh, slavery, lynching, segregation, mass incarceration, and police abuse. And it actually opened uh, a few Fridays ago and traces a direct link between the racist past of the United States and today's inequalities, according to their press release. Um, it's located in the state capital, Montgomery, on a site where black people were actually once to, uh, forced to, uh, to labor in bondage. Um, as, uh, according to uh, Brian Stevenson, the head of the Equal Justice Initiative, he said that it's a museum about the history of America with a focus on the legacy of slavery. I can't think of another institution in America that has more profoundly shaped our economy, our politics, and our social structures. But that our understanding of slavery is very, very incomplete. Uh, what is your opinion, gentlemen? I'm of a mixed view cool. of the, the whole thing, man. And it's not necessarily because it's not something that shouldn't a story that should be told. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to feel, but but I'm very. The older I get, and the more I delve into trying to be an advocate, right? Mm-hmm. I get more. I, the more and more uncomfortable I get with dealing in tragedy porn, right? And mm. it feels like there. It it's on. It's on thin ice for me. Like, and I don't mean that like he shouldn't have done it, but I, how do you go into that and not feel some level of exploitation? 
I don't know. Just something about it just rubs me the wrong. Way. And uh, and and needless to say, I mean, the museum in D.C. alone. I mean, not that. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how how and granted, maybe their claims are correct that certain certain maybe there are certain gaps in history that need to be filled. Um, but the tragedy point aspect is hard to ignore, you know. And I don't know. I, I would just like to think that maybe there's another angle. I mean, but I mean, the truth is necessary. That's all I can say. No, no, I, I, I dig it, and I think maybe it, maybe it's on on my end because he, Brian Stevenson, did say that the inspiration for this came from the museum for the Holocaust Museum as yeah. well as museums dedicated to South African apartheid, right? Yeah, yeah. So it begs the question: if the United States had actually taken a stance in educating or taking the same approach that South Africa and Germany took with their tragedies as they would take with slavery and mm -hmm. all of the everything that stemmed from slavery. Mm -hmm. Would we have? Would I have that same feeling? And I don't necessarily think I would, because Germans, for the most part, have grown up in Germany after the end of World War II, have been taught to hate all of the things that came with Nazism and the white supremacy and all those other things. Mm -hmm. People in the people that grew up after apartheid in the eighties or in the early nineties have been told that apartheid was a blight on South Africa's existence. That doesn't mean that it, South Africa and Germany are perfect. It just means they've taken a different approach to how they see people that indulge in that type of ideology. But we haven't say, taken that same approach. I will say in Germans, in, German, in Germany's respect, that stance has definitely impacted them culturally. Yeah, yeah, it has. It's, it's impact. It's actually impacted from what I hear and understand from several sources, their general interactions with people of color around the world. Period. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's been it's been said by many people that Germany is very welcoming to all people of color. You know, I mean, no problems with starting your business, living your life, doing your thing out there. You just wouldn't think you about have it. to be out there. Right? You, 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 you just wouldn't think about it. <laughs> Expound on that. Expound on that, Elgin. <laughs> Come on, I mean, I guess, I guess after a while, man, when you've been a main contributor to some of the the worst atrocities that we've ever faced, that 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 balance has to shift. That will has to shift at some point in time. That you you can't even let I mean, a little bit of of. of who you yeah, are? You but I, but I mean, come on, let's let's keep I it mean, all the way funky. Generations towards other cultures, you know, you definitely see a shift from generation to generation. Like especially like True. in places like Japan, you know, I have friends mm -hmm. and friends in school who told me that man, you know, my grandmother may not receive you too well when you come through. Mm -hmm. But fuck that's that. Culture, don't don't tell it to my face. Fuck that shit. That's that old. Our, our generation we're not like that. Yeah, they, 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 they make it known that we're not like that. See, I don't, man, when but it I comes mean, you know, to these museums and shit, man, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of on the fence with it because it's like, I don't, I don't know how much value they have, right? In these instances where they show I don't know if they're really these gaps. horrendous, oh, 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 oh. are they really feeling gaps? In history, what do you mean? What? What? Explain that. Would you explain that? Explain what? How much a, a a museum that shows some of the most horrendous atrocities, the value that that has on future I generations? It, so, hold I don't. On. Let me let me let me let me ask this more specific question: the museum itself, the museum by itself, 
or the museum collectively, meaning the museum and then policy and education and all those things that surround the museum. So, so see, there, there we go. And, and I think that's where the, the, the goalposts get changed a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. me taking my children to this museum, what impact does them seeing these things do for them? What, what does it do for them in their future years? Because when they leave the museum, are they going to have a different perspective on the people who committed these atrocities? Like, is it going to fire them up to get involved in creating policies? To I, I, I don't know what the value is of those museums. I don't know what it is. The value is in seeing those stories. I, I don't know. I, I really I can't put a value on a price tag on. And I don't. And part of me says there is no value. Right. Mm -hmm interesting i i think that there is a level of value to the museum if it was done in a way similar to what we've described about germany and south africa right that if you already have policy in place that leads you to believe that these things and these types of behaviors are no longer acceptable in your society you have policy that reinforces that and then you have education through from K to sure. through education. And we whatever. have none of that though. And that and that's my problem. That's my problem. So I don't think like So what value does it have? But that's if what we I'm don't saying. have so any it, of those things. But that's why I asked the question, right? Yeah. Because does yeah, this I, museum now serve any purpose? It's hard for me to say. And it does kind of feel exploitative in a in, in to a degree. But and it makes white liberals live, feel good. That's that's true too. But if we lived in a society where we didn't have the cancellation of critical race theory or people trying to remove certain sections of history to teach our kids or policies that actually reflect the voices that people you keep hearing these white liberals talk about it would be a totally different circumstance you know what i mean but there, and even in schools schools don't go in depth talking about no. these and so it's just like again going back to what you mentioned oh having those other things to supplement, to supplement what they're viewing that would remove that yeah. tragedy porn component again it wouldn't be something that i would take my like i wouldn't take my children to go see that it, it wouldn't be something that i would do now if there was an underground railroad museum absolutely because of different like perspectives that multiple, you know that, just as a heads yeah, up. we've we've been there there's one here in Philly too that we're actually going to be going. They're doing a virtual one, but something like that where we it actually demonstrates and shows that we actually fought and we just weren't perpetual victims. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Where's Where's this again, uh, Phil? Where's the? It's in It's in Alabama. It's in Alabama. I think you're muted, bro. Oh, Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. So and if you see the pictures of it, I think the pictures of it is what strikes me even more it was just like but that's but that's what, that's and i think it's interesting that brian stevenson must have put a lot of work in to get that built in in alabama only because we're looking at how alabama's turning now they're trying to remove things from their teaching curriculum they're fighting against critical race theory all of these things are happening in alabama now all, while all of a sudden this yeah but remember like like dylan rodriguez has always stated whenever black people get any sense or semblance of success or progress you gotta you find can always group, yeah. expect white folks to rise up and fight against something oh, yeah, new yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're consistent yeah. with that very very
I mean, it's, it's the this one hurting, man. one clear evidence of the sickness. Hmm? All right. Right about now is the time when we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. Crush, what's up, man? Well, um, two things. Well, I just got to send a shout out to my brothers, uh, Shatungwa and Khalil and uh, the D.C. Council for the Humanities. Uh, we just completed our mini documentary on the uh, D.C. hip hop scene, uh, of which I wrote the screenplay and narrated. Oh, uh, the, the premiere will be uh, November 18th by Zoom. Um, I will be uh, posting that link in the group, of course, and everyone is welcome to see it. Um, I'm uh, very proud. I'm very shocked that we even pulled it off. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was very fulfilling. Very fulfilling. No and, doubt. Uh, I see you, John Singleton. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't do the directing and none of that. I just, just did a little writing. We'll yeah, yeah, that was that was step one. We understand. We understand. I mean, the other, I mean my two guys, my other two guys, did all the chopping up and you know all the editing. Uh -huh. and yeah, I, we, we we get you. We, we we see you on that road to. Uh... We'll see. Man. <laughs> we'll we see, see you on the red carpet. Just give me my we'll motherfucking see. ticket. I mean, we'll see, man. We'll see. That's that's all. He remember, wants no, to. remember 18. He don't, give a, he don't give shit about you. He just wants his motherfucking ticket. <laughs> just you give me the motherfucking red carpet. <laughs> L, you son of a bitch. What's <laughs> right? What's Boy, I want to send a shout out to the wonderful students, man, at, at Howard University who have been down there protesting. <laughs> I knew he was going to talk about this shit. I knew it. Huh? Man, I, I love it. Salute to those young people, man, who, who are at Howard, who have been raising hell against the conditions that they have been experiencing oh, down there. I applaud yeah. the young people, man. I, and it has been man. phenomenal. And you're starting to slowly see some of videos and TikToks about some of the shit that they was experiencing at Howard. The one where the young lady did one in about the cafeteria. It was like, <laughs> yo, it was, it was, awful like they didn't have food they didn't have ketchup they didn't have ice the silverware was dirty but i applaud them and i just stand in solidarity completely with those young people and for people across the country man if you haven't noticed people workers are standing up for yeah. their rights and there has yeah. been a lot of strikes taking place yep, yep, and yeah. i stand in solidarity oh, with wow. those folks get them they, man they, they, there's yeah. been a huge argument recently about whether or not there is a worker shortage. There is no worker, worker shortage. shortage. The shortage. Nope. There's There's a a salary shortage. People are recognizing <laughs> after shortage, this man. fucking pandemic, man, it's like, you got to pay me what I am fucking Working worth. I'd me. rather go drive Uber for 12 hours during the day than sit behind somebody's desk and you shortchange me. And on top of that, I got to put up with your bullshit. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that, man, because that's that's been one of the things that people have using talking points that people just don't want to work. And I'm telling nah, you, man. that nah, is man. not the fucking nah. case. They want to work for what they're worth. Period. Yeah. They all. just don't want to be. They're not slaves, man. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna make yeah. they're gonna make those cats spread the wealth. But I'm gonna do Amazon for eight hours every single day. I'm gonna be my own boss at the end of the day, though. I don't have to put up with anybody else's bullshit. And I know what I'm. I got Obamacare in one hand. I know I got other things that I can deal with, but I'm at the end of the day, I have my, there's peace of mind. You can't pay for peace of mind, man. You cannot. You cannot pay for peace, bro. Yeah. What's up for me this week, man? Uh, just a shout out to all of our brothers. I, um, I heard something the other day 
that really resonated with me. He said, when a good man, when a good black man says that he's tired, you should listen. Because it takes a lot. It takes a lot for a man to tell you that the world has beaten him down and that he's looking for help. We men at this point are almost three times as likely to commit suicide than women are. Black men are almost double that. Most homicides, of course, are at the hands of men to other men. We are more likely to die earlier than women. So it says out of a out of a hundred people that have reached the age of 99, 98 of them are women. That's, those are what the numbers show. So when you see a black man, a good black man, telling you that he's tired, listen and find some way to help that dude. Like, be a shoulder, do something. That's all I got to say. That was good. That was good, man. That was good shit. Damn. All you rap bastards, I hope you're listening. No bullshit. Crush, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? Man, for now, you can uh, catch me at Amphibians on Instagram, A-M-P-H-B-N-S, where you'll find information about the upcoming premiere. Or, of course, on my page, my link tree at SP Methods. By the end of next year, you're going to find him in Beverly Hills on that uh, on that hill with the with the all glass <laughs> house. Yo. I know with the all glass house and shit. <laughs> Hell, where can people find you if they want to find you? Man, at Elgin Bailey, I'm everywhere. And I'm Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore In the Black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick with us, and we appreciate it. Next time, please follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But as always, informed, intelligent, In the Black. In the Black. Peace. Peace. Hands down, one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. Word. Bretrix, what up? I done read a block up here, Bretrix, listen. Uh. In the black podcast, like your lad, it's all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, don't talk trash, just switch fast. If you ain't raw, then you're whack. Informed, intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate, this is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence, rest of them are excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up here, bro, man, a specialist. Know what the podcast brought just y'all mess with this. Like, said they my cheat, who no do it so effortless. I listen and I learn when them listen and my benefit. Reporting current events, everything that is prevalent. This is so exquisite, a scientific experiment. Giving you the news, not fused without evidence. Telling you the truth, sentiments without embellishments. Relax, these are the facts. Bringing them to your residence, in your house or your tenement. Listen to hear intelligence. Body filled with melanin power that's so acetylene. Bright in the stars, bringing some light back to the desolate. Yeah. In the black podcast, and your lad is all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, the panther pull up and watch black up in your chat, Mickey on flap. In the black podcast, and your lad is all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, we outlast. The whole of them can, none of them no contrast. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's how we are doing it, big old. Yeah. Mr. In the black himself. What up, DJ Henry? It's your boy, Black.
Black Pink. I'm out. Now I'm out.